Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you're at. Hope everything is going well for you in this strange situation we're all in in the world. So the topic is uh, traditional, goes way back, the Lankavatar Sutra and the works of Asabandhu and other places. And we track them all down particularly. It's called the the three own beings or sometimes the three natures. And it's just a just a construct to that someone invented at some point to help us look more deeply into the nature of relative and ultimate truth. It's very simple, therefore it's extremely difficult to understand. But I feel that it is deliberately constructed in such a way so that by using your conceptual mind, the, the one that the that the the little oligarch we call the ego keeps trying to take over and uh, strengthen, thinking, 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 analyzing, judging, very logical. It kind of when it when it bring that thinking process into the three own beings, it it really pretty difficult to make much progress there intellectually. So it's kind of a setup. So the three uh, just to talk about them briefly, and I can take questions on this also, and I will attempt to, at least I'll respond. I don't know if I'll be able to help you or not, because it, it takes a lot of uh, looking at this, and it, uh, the understanding of that will not show up as conventionally understanding how to repair your plumbing or your something more practical. So Paratantra is uh, Sanskrit for dependent origination, uh, this dependent on that. Everything that you see is a separation whether it's physical, whether it's a thought pattern, whether it's anything in your mind stream, anything in anyone else's mind stream that is coming out through their vocal cords as an apparent expression of what they're thinking about or what they're thinking about, you're what you're thinking about, and all the complications that go on and on and on. Circles, lots of circles. Looks like straight lines, circles, circles. And then so the dependent origination, that that uh, that uh, paratantra or de dependent on th this, dependent on that, and there's lots of ways of talking about this, and, and I don't remember any of them, but I'm coming out of how this looks to me using that teaching. So I'm talking about how it looks, and I'm using this teaching in order to push that because it's pretty difficult to come up with something much better than the three home beings. So things arise, they, they arise, they show up, and they go away. They show up, and they go away. Different aspects, you see the edge of a building, you see the corner of the roof as you're coming around it. You meet your friend, and those situations are dependently arisen. And then we add on, we put our own spice on our own personal bug spray on that to change it. We don't want that. Or maybe we do. Maybe it isn't bug spray. Maybe it's some kind of uh, grappling hooks where we get that. We pull it into our territory. We want it. We take, you could say, ownership. There are really intense forms of that. One of them is slavery. And the other one is just uh, the grasping kind of love or desire, wanting, wanting that, wanting that, desire. The second noble truth, wanting things to be other than they are. So those those are the first two, partantra. Things are dependent on each other, everything. Anything you can single out as a thing is dependent on something, something else for its apparent identity, singularity, own being. If through the sitting practice of meditation and other ways of working with the Dharma conceptually, just watching what moves, just watching what moves in the mind, watching what moves in your kitchen, watching what moves on your neighbor's lawn. Now, without concluding anything, by just watching that and without particularly fueling the, the desperation of ego to be someone somewhere having something happen, it begins to become more clear. Though it's not particularly progress, it's just some kind of clarity begins to show up there through the one sitting practice uh, in relationship to the, ver the various uh, energies and structures of our own ego, our own hope and fear, the way we particularly are handling that with our life. It is said in many ways, the way I will say it is if you see dependent origination and then you see that you are adding, subtracting, dividing, and adding your own chemistry set to what is just there. In other words, you're creating more stuff. Then it's not necessarily to stop doing that or to not do it or 
don't add on, even though that's part of the way that I teach it. I say, don't add, but I know you can't stop it. I can't stop it. I'm saying that we become become more and more aware of the way whatever's happening. We have a, we have a little bit of a different idea. Maybe it should be this way. Every conversation we have with ourselves or with others is a, seems to be a series of those kinds of things. If those are not happening, you're probably not saying much. So again, it's not about changing anything. It just looks like it, but it's not about that. It's even deeper. It's more profound. And I can use that word without even being able to define it because I, we, we know what that is. It's profound. It's vast, immeasurable, extensive, without even the word extensive, extensive being necessary. So when we see Paratantra or dependently arisen, this causes that, this moves through space, it's that. Someone comes along and finds a tree with this shape inside of it, frees that shape from it with what tools. Even Michelangelo said that he looked in the piece of marble there and he took everything away that wasn't dubby, just took away what didn't belong. That was his description. So by seeing dependent origination and noticing the way we add, subtract, divide, and modify that based on our own causes and conditions arising as our personal lifetime our personal uh, propensity to, to do anything, to think, to worry, to subtract, divide, to get something else, to be aggressive, to be passive, to be, to be, to be. Aggressive and passive are just two ends of the same hot dog. Anytime you have any polarity or anything, you're going to find some kind of an opposite to it. It may be very vague. It may be uh, difficult to track down, but you should look there anyway. So then the, the Imaginary nature that you put on there is a uh, parakalpata. So partantra shows up, and then parakalpata is we sprinkle it with our own chemicals, our own personal. Should be shouldn't be that way. Should be this. And this happens from from the second you walk around the corner and see your friend coming up. Immediately, there's some otherness is happening about that. Uh, to one who has realized, they always see themselves, and it's not a self. It's just a way of talking about it. They never see anything. They don't see other, and if, after this has been happening for a while, it's pretty ordinary. So you don't, until you notice that someone else is all tied up in their thought patterns about, I like it, I don't like it, it's good, it's bad, they shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't be doing this, I'm a terrible person, I'm a wonderful person. Until you meet someone who's doing that, you don't really notice that they don't realize what's right in front of them. So Paratantra, Paricalpatum things on it, cover it up, change it, imaginary, imaginary. This happens and we imagine we can get more of this, we can get less of this, we can stop this, we can start this, we can modify it, we can turn it over, we can paint it red, do something with it. Constant thing is happening until you stumble into the spiritual path and until you stop in, stumble into a true teaching or a, or a true teacher, one who teaches out of realization rather than out of relative knowledge. Rare. And there's no way you can tell, no way you can prove anything. If you're up to proving things, then misunderstanding. So the third one, going back through, we have Partantra, we have Parikalpata, so dependently arisen. Then we have the imaginary nature. And then the third one is, if you see, if you see this, we see the first two clearly, fundamentally what those are, this is called or the perfected nature. All three of them come together in, to use the Zogchen words, the great perfection. It's just perfect. There's nothing to change. You can't, you can't fiddle with anything. There's nothing to fiddle with. There's nothing separate. This doesn't mean you don't change your mind and say, I'm not going to have lunch today, or, or I'm going to have lunch, I'm going to have a salad, or I'm going to have a hamburger, or I'm going to do this or that, or I'm and head this way, head, head that way, based on, on what you see arising. But the kind of decision that is being made in that situation is quite a bit different than the decision that is being made by someone who is in their mind stream trying to find right and wrong and success and failure and bringing it that way. And at the same time, because things are not separate, <laughs> those are exactly the same thing. So it has to be realized we can think about it. We can talk about it. If you read, it's described lots of different ways in uh, the Lankavatar Sutra. Vasubandhu works on that quite a bit. Other teachers, as I said, I didn't I studied all the 
history of that. Questions if you have them? Jason? The um, Jason Bowing. The imaginary nature seems like it's also dependently arisen. So does the is the dependently arisen nature um, also the imaginary nature? Everything is perfected if you see it. If you see that there's dependently arisen, and then you see that that we project onto that some we personify it, and then then we see it as just well, what is true. It's supported by a power tantra dependently arisen. What what is changing between the perfected nature and the other two? And nothing changes. That's why it's so difficult to see it, because at the, at the same, just to use the word time, at the same time you see it, it actually is not separate from it anymore. Does the perceiver change? There never really was a perceiver, so there really isn't anything to get rid of. So the perceiver is may show up and may not. You're no longer at war with anything. You're not at war with war. If an ego shows up, you just see that it's unreal, even though it might have a really powerful voice or a powerful mudra. It seems like the imaginary nature arises and that the perfected nature would not arise. No, the perfected nature doesn't arise. Does the imaginary nature arise? It appears to. And that, so that there, we see that we see dependent origination and we see that, then we see that we add on to it, uh, imaginary nature, and it can show up lots of different ways. If you try to track it down and find out a way that it, that we're, oh, okay. Now, if you get to the point where you say, now I see what it is, uh, you've missed it. It's not conclusive. It's a, you could say, if you wanted to say it with a, a kind of expression that might address that, it's living, it's alive, not like a blood pumping organism, but it, it has a has a dynamic nature to it. As long as there's a living being here, a living being there, then, then the insight into that is going to be strong. But it's not too, so therefore nothing is happening and everything is happening. That's why it's so damn difficult to see it. And that's why I don't care how brilliant intellectually you are, you won't be able to calculate this in such a way that, aha, if you have an aha moment, uh, you're three quarters of the way down the mountain looking at a, what, rusty dead post. Could you say more about what it means for something to have a living quality? That it's dynamic. So that if you try to find a concept that bites into it and hangs on to it so you can contemplate it more, the, the three natures are pretty powerful. Something is dependently arisen. We imagine things about it. And if we see what we're doing, then that's perfected. Then that's transcendence. What would it mean to relate to the entire path as a living situation? I wouldn't go that far. More about that if you have it. Um, is the path not a living situation? It's, it's my way of expressing that was to to help uh, to support the consciousness that is looking for a reference point. It's like trying to look at uh, if you saw uh, you know, these fast moving uh, movies, uh, you know, where they take a picture of a plant and click, 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 click over a period of a month or something. And it looks like it grows, but we don't see it move. I was in retreat once uh, 40 years ago. And, uh, watched a plant out the retreat hut uh, for about a month. I never saw it move. But when it started, the leaf was this big, and when it ended, the leaf was this big. So, kind of a silly example, but it, but it was like that. I didn't see any actual movement. Just a little bit ha- is happening all the time. It looks like stillness. More about that. I'm just really intrigued by the idea of something having a living quality and how we can relate to things in a more dynamic way. So the, the simplest way to relate to that is uh, impermanence. You can't have impermanence unless you have permanence. You can't have the concept of impermanence. It doesn't, won't make any sense unless you have something that, that is permanent or appears permanent. The, the contrast is what, that, that, what does that. Things seem to be toppling over and other things seem, seem, seem to have some kind of longevity to them. But fundamentally, nothing lasts. Anything that shows up is going down just in a different time frame. More. Can we establish a relationship with um, a person or a situation and it still remain a dynamic situation? The dynamic is not separate. So therefore, the connection, my situation connection from me to the lineage or to the teacher or to the Buddha is uh, unchanging. 
once that showed up, uh, nothing ever happens there anymore. But everything that happens keep, continues to happen in this kind of a dynamic. Things are coming and going. They show up, they change, they go this way, they die down, they get larger, they get smaller. But uh, the Dharma doesn't do anything once it's seen. Go ahead. Does the Dharma, the unchanging Dharma, have qualities or, or anything that you could identify as the Dharma? It's really nice. <laughs> There are there are um, there are teachings that are of people that are much more adept at talking about all the qualities. There's long lists of qualities that could be talked about there, but I don't know how important. I'm not saying they're not important. That wouldn't be so good. But I I think it needs to be seen. And if we we lean too much on the qualities, then we tend to try to look for qualities. And looking for qualities is like looking in the wrong place because it's looking somewhere else. And what I say over and over again, you'll hear me say it again right now, it's right in front of you. What you're looking for is in front of you. And once it's seen, you no longer look for it. It's if you, it's always there. Goes on. If the perfected nature is realized, does the imaginary nature go away? Paraphrase that. Simplify it if you can. Pretty simple already, but simple, see if you can simple, simplify it. Perfected nature is realized this illusion that we're sitting in this room. Does that change? Does that go away? You see it, you see that it is an illusion. If you see it's an illusion, it doesn't have to do anything. It, it may go away, it may not. It may appear to go away in some ways and show up in other ways, get stronger in some areas. The the difference between things is what starts to come apart. The difference between you and others, between who you're looking at. That's why it's sometimes said the function of the teacher is to introduce you to your world. Because that being, if they are a true teacher, uh, doesn't see anything else. So is that, is what is meant by imaginary, the perceived distinction or just apparent phenomena? Just, it's just, uh, it, it, it varies with the person that's, uh, that is uh, experiencing that or is going through that or would have that as an understanding of imaginary nature. Anything you add on and personify or personalize, and that there's a lot of ways that that can, can show up. You're dreaming that up. It's imaginary. Along those same lines, Shoto has a question. He asks, are color and shape part of the imaginary nature? They're, they're imaginary in that you impute that color is different from shape. And this is the way we navigate in our world in order to get the good stuff and keep away the bad stuff. I don't like purple. I like red. I don't like squares. I like circles. So we pick and choose. We vote. Not that we shouldn't vote. Uh, dependent origination is all over the place and is mixed mixed in with very threatening or Threatening from the point of view of pain and pleasure, life and death, up and down, back and forth. Eight, eight worldly dharma, success and failure. So as soon as you separate anything through um, but discriminating, discriminating awareness wisdom just sees the differences. It doesn't assign value. So that's a, so you don't stop seeing the difference between things. You don't you don't start seeing doorways where there are walls. But to do anything with that, to conclude anything about it as some kind of a credential that you're somehow getting somewhere, that's a circle, more like a circle. Yes. Junshu asks, you said something like watch what moves without fueling the ego. When does watching what moves fuel the ego? When you have an agenda about it. When the agenda is more than just have to have something. We have to say something. I have to say words. I don't have to. I could stay home. But here I am. And a few hours ago, I thought I would talk about this. So that's what I'm talking about. Even though when I think about it, I, I realize I don't really don't really understand it in a in a conventional sense and so there's some kind of uh some kind of other we're looking for something else we're not whatever we look at we want something else it's not that you have to be satisfied with what you're looking at that's that's going a different direction that's trying to sneak through the back door and have a really highly polished ego who doesn't want anything who's fine with everything i think i'm just i'm good every now and then you'll meet someone who is trying very hard to just be really good uh, Susan Olcott asks, can it be said that all there is for humans is change slash motion? Yes, that, that's 
that's what you will see. That's the practice of seeing it. But if it's not even a result, but if you were to, if you see it clearly, you'd see that nothing is actually moving or occurring. I don't know how else to say it. Other people have said it this way. It's, it has to be seen. Tisho has a question. Can we know we have realized something as against having understood something? I think if you if you realize what this is, then you you have a, an understanding of what just understanding. The understanding is still there, but the perception of not to or or of uh, dependent origination or the the perfected nature is uh, it's not seeing something else. It's seeing the entirety, and so that has a depending on the individual. I would say that someone who is highly intellectual might that might be a strong area of uh, description or someone might if they were going to teach this might teach in a more intellectual way Shoto has another question since you can't recognize the movement of that growing plant in your retreat does that mean the consciousness that sees that is permanent no and shoka has a question shuka if one sees the unchanging nature of things, is there still impermanence? The way I am understanding you're asking the question, I would say yes. And then he has a follow-up question. If situations appear impermanent, does that reflect a belief in a permanent self? <laughs> yeah, well, like, very funny. Ondo has a question. Ondo. Does contrast and motion point to separation? Yes, it would, it would point to that, but one's understanding of it may still be operating in terms of a, uh, some kind of otherness or some kind of other-powered situation. But that's why it seems to be necessary to just continue to look at it. For consciousness not to include anything is completely unimaginable by the ego. Ego can't imagine being being there, being present, or being in any situation without something happening. She has another question. Yeah. Is seeing separation the same as looking for something else? <clears throat> Not necessarily. If there's just receiving, if you're just receiving, there's a, for lack of a better word, there's a process that through training of mind that one goes through that where you just, there's less and less and less grasping or pushing and pulling or navigating or objecting to or agreeing with and more and more just receiving, just receiving. So that's, that's going to show up with people in different ways. Uh, it has to be, we have to do it. Each person has to do this themselves. And we have the, as a support, we have the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the three tools, which people use in different ways. Everyone doesn't need to become a monk. It might help, but that's not your thing and do something else. Juzan asks, what is own being? It's, uh, it's just another way of saying the three natures or the three ways that we can view the complexity or the simplicity of the situation. So I'm not sure why, what the translation out of the Sanskrit would be for own or svabhava or however it may show up. So I, I don't know what, what that is other than it has its own it's a way of talking about it, so you can talk about it as something, just like talking about shunyata or emptiness. It's a way of talking about vijnati uh, matra or, or uh, mind only or just using concepts so in as simple a way as possible so that we can begin to see more deeply into the way the, con the conceptual structure points to some aspect of our lived experience as apparent beings, conscious beings, human beings help us see more deeply into is is there a, a ground to this what is this what is this situation that's why what question what questions are so helpful so anytime anything is happening if you just say what everything slows down so you can look at the fine detail all, all the gauze that's passing in front of what you're objecting to all of the the texture that is showing up as uh, similar to what you're looking for, but unlike what you're looking at. Michael Stoltz asks, is eternity and a moment the same thing? Sure. If you're using a moment as a concept and eternity as a concept, yeah, they're the same. They're both concepts. Chocolate cake and lemon meringue pie, two different pies. 
Goodbye. Pi R squared. Go ahead. Shadow asks, is there permanence? So permanence, uh, impermanent. We use that relatively. I mean, there's Kaiser Permanente, you know, which sells their brand. There's people use those ideas. Uh, uh, most of the time they're using those to manipulate others to get their way to get some kind of benefit, some kind of fame or some kind of control or some kind of power. But they feed off from each other. In other words, you can't have permanence without things that are impermanent. So they're, they're concepts. And they, they approach or apply to somewhat of our lived experience, but it's not. If you settle for that, then you, you actually are, you stop looking any deeper and you just go with that understanding of permanence or uh, temporariness. Oh, you're bowing. Is Buddha nature permanent bowing? So it's, uh, if, if you want to go there, I would say it's, uh, we want to use that kind of reference. I wouldn't call it permanent, but I would call it unborn unceasing, which is a traditional one that we hear. It's a, it, doesn't, it doesn't come into existence, so therefore it cannot pass out of existence. It's like, this is why the, the shunyata or emptiness is often used as a, as a way of directing our minds to the nature of everything. This is empty of what we think it is. This is this is empty of of uh, personhood. But it sure doesn't look like it, nor does it feel like it. And we have all these nerve endings that are constantly screaming at us. Yes, you're here, and you feel good. Or yes, you're here, and you feel neutral. Or yes, you're here, and you don't feel you feel uh, great. You're enjoying the, the sunrise, or you want to walk and do meditation in the woods because it's so peaceful. And, uh, this is just another way of uh, avoiding impermanence, as to through. Enjoyment. Go ahead. Kiyun asks, when grasping lessons, what happens to emptiness? Well, the very nature of emptiness is nothing, nothing's going to happen to them. But if you're asking when you as a person begin to stop grasping for something else, including enlightenment, then uh, uh, what the teaching of uh, Shunyata begins to show up. You could say it that, that. I think that's what you're asking. And, then you just naturally see that whatever you see is not, it's, it's what it is. It's not what it, uh, what we impute or what we imagine or what we add on. Kozan. Is what's being uh, referred to with the perfected nature the same as the term Buddha nature? Mm -hmm. Some of those words are, are connect together, yeah. So uh, the we're always using words, so they're always uh, fall short of what is being understood or pointed to. So I would say the way you're asking me, I would say yeah, you, could, you could use those interchangeable. But then when you start to talk about the three natures, it's hard to put that in because then you have to come up with some other invention or some other simile that might work for the other two, which you probably could. But the next thing you know, you're a, you're, you're a scholar. You're starting to write books on the three natures how they would really show up this way or that way. I'm not accusing you of anything. I said, I'm saying, good idea to just train your mind if you can. And at the same time, totally validate those questions. So bring those questions this way so that I can see it like I don't know how to answer them. Shoto has another question. Yes. How, how does something that's unborn get laminated onto something that has an apparent birth? It's not laminated. It's not separate from it. That's why it makes it so damn difficult, because we think we have to get rid of something. We think you have to get rid of the ego so you can see your wonderful Buddha nature. So I use the word laminated sometimes because it's expedient, convenient, or whatever. Fundamentally, it's not separate. And that's what's scary to ego, because it realizes that it is a sham. It cannot breathe in that kind of a void. Susan has another question. Is impermanence a living entity? The way I understand that you're asking it, I would say, oh, it's just a, it's just a concept. It's just a way of talking about phenomena coming and going, about so-called uh, objects, human beings, situations, weather. JD has a question. JD, Lake George, or Fort Wayne, or Fort Wayne. Yeah. Are you free from angry moods? And if not, what do you do when they arise? I get pissed off, and so should you. And what am I saying? I'm saying, don't, don't, don't concern yourself uh, too much with that. I mean, unless you do, if you're worried about it, then go ahead and worry about it or fret about it or 
attribute, oh, it's because of this. My dad was like that, or I get mistreated. But don't, don't, uh, uh, as they say, grab the bull by the horns. Find out about bulls. Don't, there's no, there's no point. This is just a macho kind of way of working with it, trying to stop emotions or activities or bias or pride or shame. Or don't, don't do anything with it other than just look at it. And so, yes, I, I can. I don't do it often, but I can get upset or get mad. I'm not concerned with about with that at all. Wendy asks, is taking comfort in impermanence, grasping? <laughs> not when I do it. <laughs> and the way you're asking that, probably not when you do it either, Wendy. It's pretty sneaky of you. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to tell tattletale on Wendy, but if something is really terrible that's going on and you know it's not going to last, you should take comfort. Like, we all know lots of things that are going on. Like, my own personal one would, would be I have a herniated disc in my spine. I think not possible. Feels like it. And I take comfort in knowing that that's not going to last. So, if that's what you're talking about, then right on, Wendy. <laughs> um, Liam Lindsay from Canada. Liam Lindsay. He says, with gratitude. Where the hell have you been? Liam Bowie. Shoshi asks, how can something that is unborn and unceasing be seen? It can't be. can't see it. Um, Let's go there, Shoshi. In the meantime, uh, Junshu asks, what persists when the body dies? Persistence may persist, but nothing persists as persistence other than persistence. There's no thing persisting. Not to. If you understand not to, ego cannot make, it can't get any rest there. It drives ego crazy to, to not know what's happening. That was a question from Shoto. I made a mistake. What persists when the body the same person, I think. Does that change your answer? What was the first one? Uh, the question was, what persists when the body dies? I thought that was from Junshu, but it's actually from Shoto. Oh, well, if it's Junshu, then nothing persists. Nothing persists. But if it's from Shoto, then what persists when the body dies? Nothing persists. Juzan asks, are concepts living entities? I don't feel that the concept itself is a, has some kind of a living and living quality to it, but it does have a kind of energy and a kind of persistence that is that seems to to get its get its uh, nutrition from uh, the passion, aggression, and ignorance. So not wanting this, but wanting that. The constructs that come up in the thinking process and the fourth skanda, the samskaras, are thought forms that are coming out of uh, uh, the alayavijnana or the storehouse consciousness and coming through the seventh consciousness or the the paranoid aspect of the mind that thinks there is somebody that needs protecting or advancing. And so those, uh, those structures are, are used. So they might have an energetic force to them. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it'd be helpful to think of them that way. It doesn't seem that way here. It looks, they look more like, uh, they look dead. They don't, they don't, they look dead. Although they're used in such a way that they, they come to life because of the energy of what passion, aggression, and, Ignoring or shutting down, and just even even ignoring as a as an energy to it. No, I don't want that. I'm just there's an aggressive quality, but there's also a shutting down. You know, we're not going to look that way. We're going to look somewhere else. So it's a very interesting area to watch how the three point poisons join hands: the rooster, the chicken, the snake. Just ancient uh, images for the way we avoid our Buddha nature, our perfected nature. Michael Stoltz has another question. He asks, is the ego just a concept? Yes, it is. So you don't have to get rid of it. And Juzan's follow-up question, how are concepts different from thoughts? So I think it's a, a concept is just a more of frozen or solidified thought forms. So thoughts have, a, have more of a wavy, oscillating kind of appearance to them. So you can't really... I'm sure you've noticed you, you can find a concept, but you can't really find a thought uh, unless you conceptualize it. And then, then it, it starts to look more like a bread box or a, a toaster. It doesn't work. But the but thought forms themselves are, uh, are, are the way that consciousness 
moves into some kind of patterning based on pushing, pulling, or shutting down, trying to be somebody, even being a failure, even being totally a total failure is uh, still ego. Shoshi has a follow-up question. What are you pointing at when you describe that which is unborn and unceasing? Pointing at the, it's just a way of talking about the fundamental perfected nature. There's nothing to change. There's nothing to, there's nothing to modify or change or, or for that matter, even see different than what, what is here. I've said this over and over again. I know Shoshi, you've heard me say this. You're looking at it. It's just that you're looking at your idea of it. You're looking at your idea. You look at this person's a teacher. You can't see who's here. You, you will see who's here when you see who's there. And when you see who's there, that's because you've seen who's here. That's what the teacher does. That's what any teaching person does. It's like a mirror. Hakaran has a question um, following up to Shoshi's. If we cannot see the unborn and unceasing quality, how do we know it? Just continue rather than look for uh, something that will uh, be a stand-in for a result or give you some kind of credential. It's uh, it's without credentials. So the ego mind, the self-centered mind, the knowledge-collecting, the credential-collecting mind is going to be left out. And that, as Trump Rinpoche said uh, 50 years ago or thereabouts, ego does not want to it wants this, but it, it knows that when it goes that way, it's its own funeral. It's because it, then it's, it doesn't die. It doesn't have to die. It's just seen to be unreal. She also asks, what does realization mean? Well, okay, I'll try. <laughs> so to realize, to realize, to just like realize that fire is hot, water is wet, earth is hard, wind moves, to realize that nothing is separate from anything else separated fire is separate from water but it's just phenomenal human beings are separated from each other but they're fundamentally not separate we're separated from trees uh, gophers landscape sun and moon stars galaxies uh, oak, oak leaves on the ground separated but re to realize this is to still be embodied still have all of your sense heals and to be able to move and still have all of your uh, passion, aggression, ignorance showing up and showing down and showing up and showing down. And the, the main word that I would use here, since you're going that direction, is a realization is a, it's a, called freedom. At the same time, you, you have not gotten rid of anything. Nothing has happened. It's not If it's an occurrence, it's going to go away. Your realization will fade if it's an occurrence. That's a great, great place to ask questions around. So I'm not very smart. Well, you know, that's kind of false humility. As soon as I saw Sensu come in with her mask on, sitting 20 feet away, I thought, no, oh, there's a safe person. Well, you, these other guys have masks on too, though. I think everybody has a mask on but me, and I should put my mask on. I'm just going to take it right back off because I might have to answer a question. I'm not mocking this. I think this is a good idea. Michael Stoltz has another question. Of the three poisons, just start becoming concepts. And then he says, now are the three boys just thoughts and concepts? Oh, are the three poisons just thoughts that have become concepts? That's what he's asking. <laughs> the three boys. <laughs> three boys. I was kind of stuck on that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, are the three boys just, <laughs> are the three poisons just thoughts that have become concepts? Yes and no. Yes, in the you can move them into a conceptual understanding, but know in that the that they're very definite energies that you might have concepts about them or ideas about them. But to understand it deeply, we, it seems necessary to see the way passion, grasping, and aggression or pushing away and ignorance of shutting down the way those interlace with each other and support each other. They're basically all just ignorance. But it's the reaching out kind and the, and the pulling back kind. Just basic ignorance coming as the the the, uh, the first of the uh, of the twelve links in the chain of existence is uh, Maripa or Avidya, ignorance. There's probably something before then, but no one's come up with a concept for it. What do you call it? Before Avidya, I'll have to ask uh, Chisho. Go ahead. 
Uh, Shadow has another question. You teach always about awareness, in quotes. How can there be a difference in seeing what's actually in front of us and what we think is in front of us? Repetition. That's why it's called a practice. Sit down, hold still, and watch the movement because nothing lasts. Delusion does not last. So, but if you, but if and, to use a lot of phrase fillers, look at it. Just look. You have everything you need. All you need to do is to hear that. Just look at what this is. All the, all the Buddha basically did was say, find out who you are. Work out your salvation with diligence, he said, as he was passing into his paranormal. He didn't say, believe everything I said, build golden idols. Work out your salvation with diligence. David W. asks, are concepts dependently arisen? Yes. You can't find something that's not dependently arisen. It's dependent on, has a different uh, trajectory maybe than other things, but everything is dependent on something else where it's apparent singularity or identity, or including thought patterns, including emotions, including, including, including. including. Tisho asks, it's a two-part question. How do we relate these discussions back to the original intent of dealing with suffering? Is it important to not forget that starting point of these teachings? That's a good idea. Yes. And the way, was that Chishon? Yeah. And the way each person would, would do that is going to be different. Some people are very, very uh, intellectual and will do that through that kind of a path or that kind of tra trajectory. And other people are very, very intuitive and, and have the use of concepts to some extent, but they're not, that's not an area they work with. They work with intuition, which does not show up in communication in the same way that concepts do, which convert easily into language. So therefore, I'm sure you've all noticed, some people seem smarter than others. This is untrue. It just looks that way. But the people who who are more intuitive or more working with the, the mind in in a less uh, structured or formless way, their understanding could be just as deep or even deeper in some ways. This is why anyone can attain awakening, they, but they might have to take a look at it. They might have to stop in their tracks and stop uh, chasing squirrels. Go ahead. Shoshi has another question. Are concepts about the true nature of reality also the true nature of reality? Uh, yeah, if you don't get hooked on them. If you think, ah, I think I've discovered something, then this is circular. Then you go back into a labyrinth called me, 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 and my stuff, my ideas, and what I know, and what I can say, and what really sounds good, and what doesn't really sound good, and what works, and what aligns with the teaching of uh, Siddhartha Gautama, and what doesn't. And uh, the people, any conversation with anybody will lead you into their particular version of what all this is about, including uh, uh, they'd rather practice the Taoism because it's more formless, or they'd rather be shamans. Akron has another question. Does being present in the now relate to realization? No, present in the now is a concept that, uh, that is a fill-in for, for the actual present. Thinking, if you think you're in the now, uh, you're not. You can't think you're in the now. <laughs> you can think you're in the then. Like you can remember the future and forget the past. Easy. Come and get me, you guys. Not making any sense. <laughs> Shoto asks, yes. when you point to awareness, are you pointing away from content? Mm -hmm. No. I, I see where that's coming from. But no, right through the middle of it. Just it, look at the content. The awareness of the content will show you the relatively spoken, will show you the space around the content. This is the path. But it won't stay that way. Once you see that, if you congratulate yourself too quick, then you'll be noticing how much awareness is around all your thought patterns. And you'll start to make uh, assumptions about you know, which boomy you're on. Michael Stoltz has... No. no, go ahead. <laughs> it's just a dumb joke. Well, he has one. Uh, he says the three poisons are definitely boys. Who said that? Michael Stoltz. I, you, yeah, know, you know, voice to text and how... Yeah. It, Scrambles things. The three poisons. He said the three poisons, but it came out the three boys. I see. And he says the three poisons are definitely boys. Okay. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. And then Kiyun asks, what occurs with the movement that we observe? So the 
the, the movement may come and may go, it may start, it may slow down, it may speed up, it may do all kinds of things, but it's the space in which that uh, occurs that is, uh, doesn't doing, isn't doing anything. So it may, it may show up, may speed up, may slow down. Initially, we might start to you know, add on things about that. Well, that must mean, or uh, my mind is slowing way down, that must mean, or things are really speeding up, I'm getting very racy, that, uh, it's getting very uh, speedy. That must, we, we abandon what's happening for what it implies or what it means or some kind of credential, uh, negative, positive, or neutral. It appears that we've exhausted the questions at this point. Any questions here uh, for people that are 20 feet away with masks on? You all good? They're all looking at their watches. Oh, Shoto has another question. Shoto. Does seeing a distinction between what we think we see and what's actually there affect the awareness? I just don't understand that distinction. So I can help you there. Seeing that you don't understand the distinction means that you see it, but you can't think about it. So you're seeing it. And the feeling that you don't understand it uh, tells me two things. One is you're, you're actually beginning to see that. I'm not congratulating you, by the way. But you, you, it's too simple. It's too simple. You, you we want something else. You want something else about that to help you trap that uh, open dimension. Just all you have to do is keep going. It, it will, it will not be. It might have a quality of showing up, but it won't be particularly, particularly an event because if it does, it won't last. It'll go away. Kevin Tally has a question. All right, Kevin. If I see that I'm in the then, capital T, capital T, the then, am I in the now, capital T, capital N? No. Those are both uh, other, other, other. So that's why when I'm kind of mock or make fun of people who are uh, trying to be here now, like uh, Ram Das was with his book back in, like, what, 1971 or two, be here now. And it's, it's a nice idea, and it's a kind of romantic, if you ever read that book, or, you know, people say, just be here now. Just, just be here now. That's a, uh, that's a uh, up ten. It's, it's, it, it just comes apart. And so it's, it's, a, it's a temporary quality that one can kind of lecture oneself. But don't do anything. Just observe. Just, just whatever's happening, just receive. Receive it. As uh, Rinpoche said, uh, Hundred years ago, or whenever, uh, drunk about. Uh, so it's a straight drink. I don't recommend alcohol at all, but it's uh, his metaphor was, you know, it's a it's a dry, a really dry martini. There's nothing in it but just vodka. So his his metaphor, I would say, it's the same way. It's just whatever it is, it's just that. Don't mix anything with it. You don't know what it is. You can actually look at everything and not see and not understand conceptually what you're even looking at. And then the sense of who you are and the sense of what everything else is start to, in a very creepy kind of way. I had to say it that way. I'm not even going to apologize for that. I hope it scares the hell out of you. It needs to. But Hakaran has another question. At the second your finger touches fire, is that instant realization before a definition arises or judgment? The quality of the present moment, could that be realization? I understand your metaphor, and I can see where you might come up with that kind of situation. I think that's still prior to it. That's still some kind of a, uh, a wish. I mean, using an image of fire is pretty strong, but it's some kind of a, a wish to have some of knowing what it is. And actually standing in front of a doorway that says Dharma, and to continually analyze the edges and the handles. And tell whether it's a red door, blue door, pink door, or it's a narrow door. It's a wide door. Go through the door, and you're and how that shows up for anyone who's listening, whether you're a student of mine or if you're not a student of anything. It's, it's your door. It's your dharma gate. Your emotions. Your those are the doors. Difficult to do without train without some kind of training. I think it's difficult to do without the three jewels, though it has been done but rarely. Um, question from someone we're not uh, familiar with uh, asks. What's her name? Uh, I don't see one. Just a number. Uh, 
Okay. Jinchi says, there's a question from someone I don't know. And the question is, right. how do we manipulate energy? Stop trying to manipulate energy. That's how you manipulate it. You are energy. But if you're trying to manipulate it, then you're separating yourself as some kind of an actor acting upon something like a shaman or a wizard, something like this. This is just horseshit. I don't mean to be impolite or disrespectful to your wish to manipulate energy, but you might want to sit down for a couple of years and look at a wall and get to know energy, the energy that is not separate from your consciousness. This is a powerful energy. I know who you are. So there are no doubts, not just someone who wants to find out how to manipulate energy. Stephanie Squibb asks, does consciousness ever stop moving? It doesn't, it doesn't really move. So all the junk flies around in it, but it doesn't do anything. Consciousness doesn't belong to anyone. Awareness does a little bit. Find out. How do you find out, Stephanie, or anyone else? Sit down, hold still, watch the movement in uh, in the consciousness. It has that kind of relativity to begin with, the first number of years. Watch what moves. Now I think we've exhausted the questions. Okay. Anything else here? You dedicate the merit. Dedicate the merit, certainly. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The ten directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. And I hope everyone uh, who is online who joined us uh, stays safe and, uh, and protected and healthy. And I'll try to, try to come in uh, next Wednesday. This works out. We're trying very uh, hard. Uh, and it was a lot of intention to stay separated from uh, people in the monastery or different, different buildings or tuning on, on uh, sometimes on Zoom, but also on uh, YouTube, uh, the same as someone is uh, thousands of miles away. So anyway, praying for all of you.